So, a little lonely up here. There's actually quite a, a number of, of women who will be trickling in either tonight or tomorrow morning who are trying to find their way here. I certainly applaud all of you and I'm sure some of your heroic efforts in getting here. And a very warm welcome. Uh, many familiar faces and some of you I know new to IMS and new to this retreat. And I hope you'll feel really welcomed and really at home here. By some odd coincidence, today is International Women's Day. So it is actually really quite a wonderful day to be starting this retreat and just reflecting on how many communities of women will be gathering together in different ways around the world. I think every, every retreat has its own flavor and, you know, over the years I have been so deeply touched and, and heartened by the, the climate and the flavor of this retreat as it has grown and developed over the many, many years we've been teaching it. I think we're, we are getting close to 30 years now. But there is something, I don't know if you felt it, I even some of the staff remarked upon it as they were doing registration. The sense of coming together, the sense of joy, the sense of gladness in being together, in, in some of you, of course, you know, recognizing one another. I think that the flavor of this retreat that has always so touched me is this very tangible sense of, of warmth, of friendliness, of, of trust, of, of um, kindness. And I was reflecting on, on this and thinking about there is something really quite special about the way groups of women can gather together in silence and in community with shared aspirations. And you think about how this has been over the centuries. The different ways that our mothers, our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers gathered together with other, other women. And you think about it in this tradition, this tradition of, of women coming together right back to the time of the Buddha. And, you know, if you look around, you hear, you know, I mean, so many different ages so many different faces. And yet there is something that, that draws together with a sense of direction, a quality of sincerity. And we are actually part of a lineage in this tradition and part of a lineage as women. And I think it's very important to acknowledge that. It's very important to, to honor that that as each of you has your own retreat with its own flavor, it won't be the same as the last retreat. It won't be the same as the next retreat because as you land here this evening, you're not exactly the same person who did your last retreat. So it's very important actually to, to begin with that sense of almost not knowing 
not knowing how this week will unfold, not knowing or, or not expecting that it's somehow going to be a repetition of either your worst or your best moments of your last retreat. To enter into it with that, that quality of, of openness and welcome and inner listening. But as much as you have your, your own retreat with its own flavor here, we also actually create this retreat together. We practice alone and we practice alone with others. And there, there is actually something I think quite, um, quite significant about that combination. Not only for retreats, but really for the whole of our lives. How to delight in a sense of aloneness. How to find in aloneness a, a quality of inner sufficiency, a quality of inner completeness. And yet to know simultaneously that we are always alone together with others. And that part of our lives, which is so much to do with relatedness and how we relate to each other, how we connect with each other, in this space too, in, in silence. I have always and continue to be quite awed and quite touched by the shifts and the changes that can take place in people over the few short days of a retreat. The changes that can emerge in, in the shape of a greater understanding, a greater spaciousness, a greater calmness, a greater sense of well-being. And it is a curious thing, because on one level, it doesn't look like we're doing very much here. You know, we, we just basically sit around, you know, and in between sitting around, we have little walks. And, you know, then we sit around some more. And, you know, on the face of it, really it doesn't look like a particularly heroic task or, you know, a particularly demanding task. In fact, my son once took a picture of my retreat schedule and emailed it to all his friends <laughs> as a sort of his sense of the ideal job. You know, <laughs> look, they're sitting. Why? Yeah. Oh, look, they have a little walk. Oh, a little more sitting? Good. You know, lunch, you know. And it was sort of that, as young people, it was sort of the idea of this is the ideal work situation. <laughs> little do they know that inwardly, much gets cooked in that space. Hmm? It, we create the space to, to listen inwardly. And there is much that can shift, much that can be understood, much that can change in just a few days. And then, you know, the question is, why is that so? Why is that so? Because it would be possible indeed just to sit around and get spit out at the end of a retreat pretty much the same as we, we arrived. So what, what, what accounts for those changes that happen? 
In my own sense, of course, it has really much to do with intentionality. I, I'm sure you get the sense as you come to IMS and as you arrive at IMS, the way in which this is a very intentional space. It's a very dedicated space. Behind the scenes, this is really true amongst the staff members. Their intention to, to serve all of us, their intention to care for all of us, um, to look after all of us in, in very quiet, often very unseen ways. But it's an intentional space that is created for us to practice in. But even that alone is not enough to account for some of the shifts that really happen in a retreat. And the other part of that is, of course, the way that we all learn in this space and sometimes relearn, and sometimes relearn many times what it is to live an intentional life rather than a life that is just guided by habit or reaction or by impulse. What it is to live an intentional way, dedicating ourselves to listening inwardly, to being together in a respectful way, the intention to learn, the intention to understand. When you all arrive here, you know, you come from many different lives, but I know that many, many women arrive here and they're, they're stepping out of lives which are often quite demanding. You know, a lot of responsibilities, often a lot of doing, schedules, sometimes overload. And you shouldn't be surprised when that life in different ways follows you onto the cushion and into your walking path. It would be a surprise if it didn't. But it is also really important to remember the ways in which the Buddha actually placed our life as being the classroom of awakening. That although we, we create here to, together a, a place where there is more silence, more spaciousness, less doing, less responsibility, we are still living in the midst of our life. You know, sometimes I, I hear people talk about leaving a retreat and they're talking about going back to the real world. Well, you know, this is the real world. And in, in the Buddha's teaching, when the Buddha talks about the world, he always talks about the world of experience. Not the world with different shapes of furniture in it and, you know, different events and different demands, but the world of experience. The world of our moment-to-moment -moment experience, which asks to be understood which asks to be cared for, which asks to be treated with kindness. And here, over these days, we have a world of experience. When you leave here, when all of us leave here, of course, we, we go back to a life, again, that has many needs, many demands, many responsibilities. So there's always the question of, of what does it mean for us to actually arrive? to truly arrive here, not just physically, but to arrive here 
in our present moment world of experience to arrive here psychologically and emotionally. You know, my own sense is that this is a considerable reorientation because actually we, we know how much the, the habits of doing and the habits of busyness often govern our lives. So there's this whole inner kind of adjustment, this inner rotation that I think is asked of everyone in order to arrive most fully here on this retreat. And in doing that, there are two questions that I would almost really pose to you this evening. And the first of those questions is, what would it be most helpful for you to nurture and for you to cultivate that would allow you to be here in this space with yourself most wholeheartedly? And, you know, those areas of cultivation can be different for, for different, different of you. For one person, what might be asked to be cultivated is a greater sense of kindness. For another, it might be patience. For another, it might be perseverance. For another, it might be the whole sense of intentionality. But I think it, it is a really useful question to ask of yourself. What would be most useful, most helpful for you to cultivate, to allow you to be engaged here in this world of experience, most fully and most wholeheartedly? The second question I would pose, which I think is a useful one to contemplate, is that what would it be helpful for you to intentionally put down not just once, but maybe many times, that again would allow you to be here most fully, most wholeheartedly. And again, there would probably be differences here. But there are also probably a lot of universal themes that we are asked to put down to allow us not only to be here, but to be in the whole of our life most fully. Please always bearing in mind of the bridges that we are asked to make between being here on retreat and the rest of our lives. And how the lessons that we learn here on retreat are lessons for our lives, not just geographical lessons. Would it be helpful to put down the habit of busyness? Again, you know, here there's, there's not really so much we're asked to do. I mean, one 45-minute work period a day is, you know, most of us can cope with this. In, um, but the habit of busyness could be so big. You know, the habit of hurrying, the habit of doing can be so big. What would it be like to put that down and to, to just learn to, to be more restful and more easeful in this space? For one person, for one woman, and maybe many more, it might be the habit of judgment, inner evaluating, inner comparing. Would this be a relief to put down? I think for most, it would. Another, it might be the habit of, of always needing to fix something or being impatient. These, in many ways, these are quite personal questions. And yet, I think that if we discuss these, 
They would probably also be quite universal questions. When we look at what we're doing here, I, I really see that there's two dimensions. One dimension certainly is, is what I would call the craft of the practice. You know, learning what it means to practice. Being able to investigate that, being able to explore how to, how to sit, what, what is this about, you know, how to walk. But in many ways, these are the simplest part of a retreat. You know, we could probably hand out a small leaflet, you know, in terms of, of the craft of the practice. The much bigger part is the art of the practice. Because I think when we speak about the art of the practice, we are talking about the, the qualities we're learning to cultivate and to embody. Not just to cultivate, but to also embody. And I think we're often speaking about some very quite profound attitudinal shifts that are invited in this practice. The attitudinal shift towards a greater sense of kindness, a, a greater sense of compassion. The attitudinal shift towards a greater capacity for, for spaciousness and for, for calm and, and for ease and for our capacity to let go. These attitudinal shifts are very much embedded in the whole of this path. And it's very important not to think of them as kind of future goals or future ambitions or future attainments. It's so important to really always again and again remind ourselves how very present moment focused this practice is. And we're always learning to liberate the moment. We're always learning to, to liberate the moment from confusion, from agitation, from disconnection. And we're learning how to be here. I'd like to share with you a, a poem by a woman named Wendy Cope. She says, the journey was difficult at first until I shipped my oars, let the river sweep me on, lifted my eyes from the dark brown water and the search for rocks and saw the land, the sky glide past. My boat will complete the journey. I do not know where the winding river leads. I do not ask who will arrive. I do not look downwards as I reach the waterfall. Midstream and faithful to the current, there is no wind, only the power of the water. I want to speak a little bit about the way in which we create this retreat together and the kind of, the kind of uh, the framework that actually we can all rest in and that we can all find a sense of ease in. And the first of those frameworks are, are what we call the kind of the, the ethical commitments we all make. And I think as a community, we, we make these together. And I actually, I'm going to talk much more about these tomorrow. 
But basically, the ethical framework is a commitment we all make together to kindness and to respect and to dignity. Certainly in this tradition, the Buddha very much recognized that ethics or integrity are the foundation of all harmonious communities, all harmonious relationships, all harmonious societies. So he speaks much about how these are much about what is going on in our hearts and minds. The first of these ethical commitments, as many of you will be familiar with, is a commitment to protecting the well-being of all living beings. Recognizing all living beings, just as we do, long for safety, to be free from pain, to be free from harm. And we acknowledge that longing in ourselves and in others. It's a commitment to to dignity. It's a commitment to non-harming. The second of these commitments is, is to take only that which is freely offered to us. I think there's much that is offered to us here. And I always find it so remarkable, you know, that we can come into a place like this some of you are not knowing each other, some of you being here for the first time, and actually feel a sense of safety. Do you feel a sense of safety? I was used to, you know, I don't do it so much anymore, but, you know, years ago sometimes I, I would teach weekend retreats here, and, you know, you would often get people coming in, you know, from really harried lives, you know, and often often kind of often different frameworks, you know. Everybody would bring their purse into the hall and they have it tucked under their arm <laughs> on the first evening, you know, until they realize, actually, they didn't need to do that. And isn't that an amazing thing? I mean, just an amazing thing to, to feel that sense of, uh, of respect and, and safety and, and uh, yeah, ease, ease. But we also see this in ourselves, you know, that commitment to taking what is freely offered. You know, we have so much freely offered here, quite enough for our well-being. Um, the third of these is around sexual integrity, which is, you know, kind of easier on a retreat because people are more in solitude. But, you know, it has to do with what we do in our minds around, you know, romantic or erotic imagery to actually finding that, that quality of aloneness and respect for others. Fourth of these is around speech, around speaking what is truthful, speaking what is needed, speaking what is helpful. Um, again, somewhat simpler when we're in silence. Um, but we do do an awful lot of talking to ourselves, you know, in our thoughts. And, and it's quite useful to be aware of the tone of that and sometimes the content of that. And the last of these is to refrain from intoxicants, intoxicants, which probably seems so obvious, you know, when what we do here is so dedicated to cultivating a heart and mind that can feel clear and bright and radiant and to refrain from anything that clouds that. But of course, any, medica- any prescribed medications you have, please continue to take them. So I want to talk a little bit about silence. And, I mean, I don't know how many of you, this is your first retreat, but if it is, 
the idea of silence, people tell me, can be a little bit intimidating. You know, I find many people when they come on their first retreat, they've never spent a day in their life in silence. That's kind of astonishing. And so it can feel a little scary. Also acknowledging that for many people have historical associations with silence where it's rather punitive. It's a withdrawal of affection. It's a way of being sort of cast out or ignored. In this teaching, we talk about noble silence. A silence of friendliness. A silence of warmth. A silence of ease. And those of you I know who've done retreats before, I am sure you have celebrated the blessings of silence. The enormous relief that comes in time at times from just being able to take a break from having to be somebody. You know, you don't have to impress anybody. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to present how terrific you're doing in your life. You, know? you don't have to worry about how anybody's speaking to you or thinking about you. It is such a blessing at times just to be able to sink into silence as a container of safety and respect and silence uh, and ease and so much a support of learning to listen more fully inwardly. Being able to listen to the quieter voices of our bodies and our minds and our hearts. You know, when I first started teaching retreats, we used to have this alternation between silence and talking, you know. So we'd have a day of silence, then a day of talking, you know, then a day of silence, then a day of talking. It was, it was wild. Because, because, you know, you'd have a day and you'd just feel yourself beginning to settle and just beginning to empty out a little bit. And then you'd get burst into this kind of... Well, you'll experience it in the dining room at the end of the retreat. You burst into this kind of wildness of talking. And the mind would get so wild again. And there's something about this practice, I think, where learning to calm our hearts and to calm our minds is just so conducive in, in terms of deepening understanding and deepening inner listening. And the silence is such a blessing in this such a blessing and such a support in helping to find some inner stillness. And a part of this silence that I, that I would really ask you to take so much to heart and take so much so seriously is to please turn off your electronics, turn off your cell phones. You know, solitude in our culture is becoming an endangered species. That we, we just... There can be so much fearfulness around unhooking, you know, fearful that we might miss something or, you know, we might lose something or, or, or somehow, you know, the fear of disconnection. But being always hooked up doesn't mean being connected. It is such a gift, you know, if you have, you know, dependents at home or frail parents or anybody in, at home who's in need, Please make sure they know how to get in touch with you here or speak to us if that is so. If it's not so, put it on your, on your voicemail. You know, you're gone for a while. You love them, but you're not available. Hmm? 
and then please put your cell phones away. And if you don't, it's, it becomes really hard, I know, for people to do this now. Um, if you find it really hard, hand them in at the office. They will love them for you for a week. You know, and you can get them back at the end. But there is something really, I think, so important about disentangling. And, you know, the Buddha often gave it as his first meditation instruction was to disentangle from the world and establish yourself in mindfulness and solitude. And disentangling doesn't mean pushing the world away. It doesn't mean rejecting people you love. It doesn't mean pushing anything away, but somehow just disentangling and allowing for that inner quietude and solitude really to be a place of beauty, a place of loveliness. There's even a danger in using your phone as an alarm clock. You know, you get little pings, I understand, and you can tell I'm a bit of a Luddite here, you know. But I understand you get little pings and things that tell you messages are coming, and you think, oh, it's all right, I'll just read that one. Pretty soon, you know, you've got a whole continuum. So becoming, you know, learning to cultivate as much simplicity as possible here. There's something here about, I think, there's something really profound in this practice about learning not to lean. Learning not to lean. So cultivating as much simplicity as possible, you know, letting go of reading. Learn to read your own heart. Hmm? Sensing what it is, what kind of clutter you might be able to to put down, to, to allow that space of stillness inwardly. Okay, so I think that's pretty much all I want to cover this evening. So um, you might want to take a moment just to stand up and have a stretch, and then we'll end the evening with a short sitting. <coughs> So finding a <clears throat> position for your body, a posture in which you can feel most at home, most steady, most upright, most balanced. And just as you begin to settle into your body, in a few moments to have that wider awareness and that wider appreciation of all of those who are sitting around you, 
beside you, behind you, in front of you. Sense of beginning together a path of settling, of arriving, of contentment. of warmth and friendliness. Also just uh, listening to the quietude around you, the sense of space, the stillness. quite consciously, quite intentionally, just beginning to gather, to collect your attention, your mindfulness, to be aware of your body, the life of your body in this moment, places where your body contacts the ground, cushion the chair, in that sense of arriving in your body, feeling those sensations of warmth, of pressure, the aliveness of your body. Mindful of your hands, the sensation of your hands touching your legs, touching one another, again just feeling a quality of aliveness, of stillness, of ease. Mindful of the whole spectrum of sensation within your body. The sensations that register more loudly. The quieter sensations that are present through your body.
sense of inhabiting your body and inhabiting this moment. Just as wakefully present as you're able to be. And further gathering your attention to feel your body breathing. The sensation of the air in your breath as it enters your body. And the way that your body responds to each breath. The rising, the expanding with the in-breath. The relaxing, the falling with the out-breath. Sensing if your breathing is shallow or if it is deep. Just to know a breath as a breath. A moment is a moment. Breathing in, calming the mind and the body. Breathing out, calming the mind, the body. Breathing in, brightening the mind. Breathing out, brightening the mind.
to some of you, it might feel a little absurd to have it suggested to you to go to bed at 9 o'clock in the evening. Maybe not since you're about six years old. But I would encourage you to get a really good rest tonight. Many of you I know have some quite, had some quite demanding journeys. Um, also, just to encourage you to, to, to be quite patient tomorrow morning, because we, we do have about, I think, 18 women trickling in through the snows um, and arriving at different times, you know. So you will feel that a little bit, you know, a little bit more arrivings. <laughs> um, um, so just be really patient with that. And um, I think people have tried really hard to get here today and couldn't. Um, you know, flights canceled, you know, the the the. So, you know, just kind of accommodating that incoming, which is kind of unusual for a retreat, you know, just as much as you're able. Um, tomorrow morning, we don't have an early morning sit. So um, the day begins with a wake up at 6 and breakfast at 6.30. But I, I really encourage you, you know, right from this evening to to just feel that you can land and you, know, you don't have to be in a hurry. You can kind of let things slow down a little bit. And even more so, to, to really begin that, that journey of returning and, and actually inhabiting your body in all things. You know, the little things of preparing for bed, you know, just sensing what it is to begin to bring about this, this unification, this integration of body, mind, and present moment, which is so much the foundation of this practice. We spend so much of our life not integrated, but fragmented. And this is such an opportunity to, to bring this body, mind, present moment together in this kind of unified whole. So really beginning to practice with that from this evening, beginning to settle into the silence. And I do hope that you rest well, and I'll see you in the morning. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.